Welcome. You are listening to Almost 30. It's us, baby. It's and we're excited to see you. <laughs> we're so excited. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. I just Looking took the band-aid off. The camera. Yeah, I just took the band-aid off my arm. That was so <laughs> disgusting. Dude, I feel so bad. First time, guys, if you're looking on YouTube, we had the, the mobile vet come. My two babies, my two adopted kitties had their first vet appointment, and it was absolutely chaotic. Mm. It was a nightmare. It was the worst day of my life. It's so hard. It's so hard to see fucking. Can't. I had to leave the room. Think about kids. I mean, animals are the same. It's just like you love them so much. You know they're, they don't know what's going on. They're terrified. They're sad. They're in pain. It's crazy. It's just like, why? It was just so... So, but they got their little nails trimmed. And, Good. Yeah. yeah. It was like, finally it's over, but I'm fucking cut up. I dude. mean, I cannot believe that. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you might want to monitor that. <laughs> they're like, if you want to. They're like, do you want a rabies shot right now? <laughs> Honestly, they're like, I think we got to do this before we go. They're like, you should maybe go to urgent care if like it gets. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. I got, I got out. silver biotic cream. I literally <laughs> said I have silver biotics. Yeah. And they're like, dude. silver's amazing. Mm, it's unreal. I'm like, I freaking know. I'm freaking no, freaking real. I'm really excited about this conversation today with Whitney Goodman. Yes, I love her Instagram, and I just love I love a therapist moment. I love being around. Yeah, therapists. I'm like ooh, free therapy for an hour. <laughs> Honestly, but it's just someone that's so processed. You're like, oh, this is gonna be great. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be able to listen, and you're gonna make me feel seen and heard. And it's true. It's true. And she's very. She's very cool. We did this in New York. Uh, she and I, and. Yeah, this concept of toxic positivity, which is the title of her book, is one that I only recently like found myself being aware of and like the nuance of it and how, you know, it doesn't come from a place of, you know, malice or anything like that. It's really this like way of soothing myself. Mm. If I'm like toxically positive in a situation, say you're going through something. And, you know, I know someone that's like this and you do too. And I'm putting it together. I cannot wait to. Psychically. They will never let themselves drop. I'm wondering if this is it. They will never let themselves drop to the truth. Yes. Of what the problem is. And they hover. It's okay, but I've got, it's always, Mm. we're almost right to the truth. We're coming back up. Totally. Well, there's, there's that version of someone themselves. Yeah are toxically positive about their own, yes, their own life happenings. But then also, if you're trying to be a support for another person, don't worry. Like, you know, there's a reason for this. And and just stay positive, you know, whatever the thing is, because it almost soothes yourself through this really hard moment. Like, what if you were to just hold space and be and not try to fix everything for your friend? Because I don't think they really need fixing in the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just the nuance of that. And you kind of feel it, you know, mm-hmm. if you're kind of... That'll piss me off. Yeah. I was uh, talking to someone the other day and I was like, I'm triggered. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're... I I know there's a higher perspective available. I know there's a higher perspective I know. available. But there's part of me... That wants to be hurt. But also we're not there yet. Exactly. In, in terms of like just. That's the whole thing. Wanting to like be where you are and like being seen and heard from where you are rather than like. Yeah, I know. There's, yeah, I know it's all we're all love. You know. I know. I know there's the purpose mm-hmm. of it all. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because there's part of me that's like a little bit, maybe I've been so indoctrinated with positivity being good that I'm like, no, it's good because there's part of me that's like, oh, I don't want people to think that happiness or joy or being positive is bad. Yeah. Because I do think that there's a true access point you can have to your joy and happiness that I really want for all people. Mm-hmm. And as I've worked in my life to really reset like my standard of my happiness and joy, I've been able to really mm-hmm. cultivate just the happiness and joy that withstands hard times. Even when I'm going through hard times, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so happy. Um, yeah. And I'm so grateful to be on earth. But yeah, there's like the bypassing. And there is that part where I think when people are unconscious about it, consciousness is everything. Period. The end. That's mm-hmm. my new sweatshirt label. Mm-hmm. Consciousness is everything. <laughs> but it's like it, when I think about that person, it's, it is heartbreaking because they're not allowing themselves the truth of the experience or the truth of their feelings. And it's not safe for them to really be like, ah, oh, this fucking sucks. Because totally. once you're like, oh, it fucking sucks, then you're like, okay, we're moving yes, on. Yes, That's exactly. what's, what I found to be most beautiful is that even exactly. when in that moment I was talking to someone, they kept, you know, they're like a spiritual person. They kept bringing the higher perspective. I'm like, yeah, but there's part of me right now that really wants to be seen and heard in my like anger, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like right when I said that, it was like gone. It's like, no, I'm sticking up for myself. Yeah. I'm not self-abandoning. I'm recognizing the truth. And then I can sort of shift the energy to see the above. So being honest with ourselves enough where it's like we're not allowing ourselves or bypassing our own emotions and feelings and just kind of skating above the surface Mm -hmm. and acting like everything's all good when it doesn't have to be all good. Yep. Yeah, I feel most comfortable and safe with someone if I say I'm going through something where it's like just an acknowledgement of like, oh, this is fucking hard. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. And then. (laughs) <laughs> I'm laughing because my therapist says that and I'm sometimes like you say that to everybody yeah. <laughs> and then they also remain in their own energy do you know what I mean so that's kind of the the thing where I then don't have to comfort them and I'm able to be in my experience but they're acknowledging like this is fucking hard I'm so sorry period you know, it's, it's, I think that's always the goal for me, whether I'm supporting or I'm needing support, like just being able, because I think Lindsay have passed and I feel like you've done this too, where like you kind of go down with them, mm-hmm. you know, and then it becomes a little muddy because then inevitably either I'm sharing like, yeah, I went through this thing, like, which I, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of, yeah. then it like chops it up and you're like, where are we? What was the point? <laughs> yeah. I had that happen in the past year where I was expressing something I was going through and it was with someone from my past Mm. and they were like oh yeah I went through you know something and I was like oh yeah I forgot about that that period of my life where I felt like the way that I was supportive was relating and telling them a story that I related yeah and I was like oh yeah that doesn't work for me anymore it doesn't work (laughs) and it was interesting because I noticed them kind of searching in their brain for something and I also wanted to relieve them of that duty of trying to find something to relate because yeah. I'm like then we're sort of yeah the soup you're kind of like is am I there for you are you there for me are mm-hmm. we talking about you are we talking about me like mm-hmm. what sort of the thing and also we don't need to be having the same experience to be yeah loved that's the thing that's the thing you don't need to have had the exact same thing and that was so much of the growth of high school and college yeah where it was like oh my god you you know 
get cheated on me too. <laughs> I got cheated on too. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, we hate this girl. Totally. I hate her too. Yes. It's like total, just, yes, so warped in that way. So, yeah, because you feel like the connection might be either severed or just like distance between you if you don't relate in some capacity. You know, if you're not, you know, it's yeah. just, yeah, you got to trust. Yep. You got to trust through that. Yeah. That's the mentality of the way that we relate and get along is by being the same. Mm-hmm. Safety and sameness. Thinking the same. If someone thinks differently, acts differently, that's unsafe. You know, we don't like that. Yeah. I think for me, the I've been thinking a lot about how I like to be cared for and how I like to be listened to and mm-hmm. you do this mm-hmm. so well mm-hmm. you're the best at it and my therapist does it really well and I just know certain people that do it really well Jenna Reese does it really really mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. um there's someone else Shan Booty I was with her the other night mm-hmm. she's incredible and it's really like for me being listened to is such a body language thing yeah you know it's like facing you yeah eye contact like it's it's not allowing anything else to interfere. Mm-hmm. Temperature, people around, sound, sights, mm-hmm. movements. And it's and interesting. My friends with kids are all incredible. And this isn't anybody. I'm not even talking about no one that anyone would know I learned this from. So take everyone with a baby out of your mind. <laughs> that I'm <friends> with. <laughs> but I realized, you know, I had a friend who has a child and was like playing around with the child. And it was hard for me to feel like we were connected in conversation because mm-hmm. the child obviously takes precedence. Totally. And I was noticing that about myself where I was like, oh, I'm noticing myself not speaking as much or sharing because I wasn't having the normal means of connection, which are eye contact, looking at me, paying attention, you know, that kind yeah. of thing that makes me feel safe. Totally. And yeah, it's helped me really sort of be able to understand like, okay, these are the cues I look for when I feel safe. Mm-hmm. How can I duplicate this with partners or how can I be more vocal and honest about what makes me feel safe? Yes, yes, completely. And I think that's helpful, you know, in relationship. And we talk about this in the conversation of being able to express your needs so that you can strengthen your connection and create a safer environment just to be yourselves in whatever you're going through. And I find it so helpful like when I – I feel like I've been like that since we started our friendship for the most part. But like to know that about you. Yes. Then you are able to really show up in a way that's like a – like, yeah, just the best version of you within the context of the relationship knowing that person. Yes. You know? Yes. So it's just helpful. Friendships, yes. romantic, family. Yeah, it's like – What's interesting because you were saying earlier on another podcast, you're like, you like touch in hard times Mm -hmm. and you'll do that with me. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting now you'll do that with me. And it's almost for me an indicator like, oh, you like this and then I can do it for you too. Yes. Like how can I then like touch you? Yes. For it was, it was beautiful with Shan. Like we were hanging out at this Spotify dinner and we were talking, it was like all night. And then she asked something. It kind of got us in this conversation. There was immediate like focus in on me, turn to me, body language Mm -hmm. to me. No one else got her attention. Yeah. And then even after we left, she called me on her drive home and was like, I wanted to finish this conversation. Like, I know that we were. And there was never a, here's what I think. Here's a solution. It was just question asking, openness, like curiosity. Mm. It was just, and it was very, yeah, it meant a lot. It's an insane example. I love that. Isn't that, I was just like, what? She's like, I really wanted to finish our conversation. Mm. And I was like, yeah. 
Thank you. And there, and it's also being so aware that you're like, okay, that didn't feel complete. Yes. What do I do now? Okay, I call my friends so we can, you know, it's like yes. being so aware rather than being swept up by like whatever's next. Yes. It's like being so present and aware that you can tend to the nuance of what's going on. Yeah. And make yourself feel good and other people feel really good. Yeah, I love that example. That's that's something that I, I will. Yeah, me too, actually. I'm so on. grateful for for friends and in, in our lives that we have, for examples, I want to call people when I leave if, yeah. we're, if we're in a moment yeah, yeah, and yeah, really yeah. drop in because, yeah, I was like, wow, because what I shared had weight. So to acknowledge it with mm-hmm. the extra step yeah, was like really nice. So, yeah, I mean great lessons. Great lessons for y'all. And this one's going to be such a good one. I love Whitney's Instagram. It's sit with wit. And I just want to share this post that I, she did that I really loved. You know, this is kind of around the toxic positivity realm. She said, instead of saying, don't worry, try, what is worrying you the most? Which part are you worried about? Want to talk through what you're worried about. Whatever happens, I'm here for you. If it makes sense that you feel that way. I love those. Mm-hmm. I really love the the inquiry instead yeah. of the shutting down of like, nope, don't worry. And if we think about body language and if you're on YouTube watching, it's like going forward and you put your hand out. Yeah. You're like, don't worry. Stop, stop, stop. Yes. And you're like, whoa, not okay to feel. Yeah. Not safe to have emotions or expressions. This is the story of my life. Yeah. So it's like, how does that stopping affect you when mm-hmm. it's really like, okay, what's actually going on? And then also giving your relationships, children, that person, the opportunity to be like, what is it? Mm-hmm. What is it? I'm worried or like I'm stressed. What is it? I've had four cups of coffee today. Mm-hmm. You know, I've yep. only scrolled on my phone. Yeah, Maybe it's that. <laughs> and getting curious rather than being so attached to what you think it is. Yeah. You know, whether, you know, if you're supporting a friend, it's like dropping what you think it is. And what you think the advice should be that you yes. offer and just asking questions. I feel like it's so powerful and really, yeah, helps your friends stay in their own energy and figure it out for themselves while you're there lovingly holding, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Love this one. Thank you, Whitney Goodman. The book is Toxic Positivity. Y'all are going to love this one. I asked all of your questions and she's just, she's just great. Can't wait. Almost30.com for any more information about Almost 30, our courses, programs, our partnership discount codes, information about Lindsay and I. We have a blog. So if you want to read more about some of the episodes that we share, we also have Morning Microdose. Morning Mm -hmm. Microdose is our fave. It is every day of the week, the weekday. And it is episodes that are between five and 15 minutes. So it'll set your day off right. And it is just the meat of the conversation, the juice. We have a little bit of music to start it, but there are no ads, no other conversations. So we really wanted to give you that dose of inspiration, of insight for your day. Amazing. Love you guys so much. Share this episode with a friend. It means the world. And we'll see you on the other side of this one. We'll see you soon. Bye. Okay. I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. 
I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. This episode is brought to you by Better Help. Uh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter and sister. Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, yeah, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. But I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's better com slash almost 30. I am officially a workout at home. Well, I'm so excited to be with you in person. I think there's something to 
having a conversation when you're actually in the of someone that I think is super, super powerful. But we're with Whitney Goodman and she's the author of Toxic Positivity, which is I feel like I should check in with you post the blow up of this book and this idea and concept, especially during a time in our collective where I feel like it, it's been more pronounced than ever and more obvious and more important than ever to shine a light on what toxic positivity is and not necessarily shame people for it. Cause I feel like we're all guilty of it at one for time sure. or another. Absolutely. Um, but to really just illuminate better options so that we can actually connect mm-hmm. and not just, um, make ourselves feel comfortable in the moment (laughs) uh, and disregard people's experience. So I'd love to actually start with toxic positivity and we'll get into so much, but um, when did this concept come to you and how, how did you know, or when did you know that it was like really time to start talking about this publicly? So I started early in my career working with people who had cancer Mm -hmm. and I was working with their families and doing support groups, things like that. And I noticed that there was so much pressure on them to be happy during Mm -hmm. treatment and to look on the bright side. And there was this belief of like, if you aren't positive, you won't make it or your treatment won't work as well. And so through that, I, I started thinking like, gosh, this is really annoying. And it seems like people aren't liking it that much. And when I got on Instagram as a therapist in like 2018, I started talking about that concept publicly and there was such a strong reaction to it. And it was very polarizing of Mm -hmm. people being like, I have been looking for a word for this my whole life. I've always been bothered by it. And also people being like, what is this? Like positivity can't be toxic and sort of feeling that shame. I think that you were talking about, like I'm doing something wrong. And so Can we define for people, I guess, the difference between, you know, people are like, well, I'm a positive person. Is that bad? And like toxic positivity in action and what that looks like. Right. So when I talk about toxic positivity as a therapist, I'm really talking about offering someone a very simple solution for a complicated problem that you know nothing about. So it's like someone talking about something difficult and saying, it'll be fine. Look on the bright side. Everything happens for a reason. But it's also, I think, this just cultural force or this pressure for all of us to be happy and positive all the time, no matter what the circumstances are, versus healthy positivity, which is really being optimistic and also making room for reality. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've been feeling this way related to some relationships in my life, people who have struggled and they're younger. And I thought a lot about how much the idea or expectation of like, why aren't you happy? Like you have everything that you need. You have all the resources. You can do anything you want. Like, why aren't you happy? And even just that expectation from my observation created this added thick pressure of like, wait, is something wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And almost not able to fully metabolize their own experience and pain because they're like, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's not that big of a deal, or maybe I'm overreacting, whatever it is. And so I think it is a really huge part of what we're seeing Mm -hmm. as far as, yeah, 
depression, mental illness, um, loneliness, like where you just feel like no one's really understanding you. Have you seen an uptick in that like over the last few years or is it just because we're talking about it now? A, a thousand percent. I think it's also just like the age group now that's sort of living their life out on social media oh and, and we're oh part God. of that. Right. So I can so relate yes. to what you're just saying that around all these milestones in my life, you know, when I graduated, when I got married, when I had my first child, I was like, this is supposed to be an only happy and positive yeah. experience. And when it wasn't for me, I felt like, oh, there's something wrong with me. I'm not doing this right. And I think when you see that also played out on Instagram and other places of only seeing the smiling parts of that moment, you're like, why can't I be like them? Why can't I just be so carefree and like relaxed? Yes. I mean, bless. I pray that there's some sort of like (laughs) shift in how much we're using social media. And then by the time our kids are a little bit older, when they have phones, that it isn't as popular. (laughs) Who knows? That's my wish. Um, You heard it here, but um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm thankful that I didn't grow up with Instagram until college. Mm-hmm. Was it college? No, actually, I think it was after right after college I got Instagram. Um, so I'm thankful for that because I, do, I literally don't know where I would be emotionally. But can we talk about examples? Because I think it's been so helpful for our audience to learn the language. I think words are so powerful and Um, The way in which we communicate, though, it doesn't have to be perfect. I think with the right tools, we can kind of get that into our our languaging and our body more so. Um, So can we share examples about like a moment where there's like an opportunity to be either toxically positive or a bit more supportive, understanding and supportive of what that person needs? Yeah. One of the biggest examples I hear is around like um, infertility, pregnancy, things like that. So if someone is struggling, let's say to get pregnant, um, they've had a miscarriage, a lot of people will come in with these well-intentioned phrases of like, at least you know you can get pregnant or the baby you're meant to have will come or, you know, it's going to happen for you. Just think positive. And I think in that moment when we hear that, it's like, okay, This person can hold space for me. They don't get what I'm going through. And what I'm dealing with is too heavy for them. And so that's a moment where I encourage people to be like, how can I try to understand this person a little bit more and validate them and show empathy instead? Yeah, there's it's interesting to observe in myself too moments where I just want to make the person feel better. Yes. I'm not a professional, so I don't know exactly how to do that. And I'm not them, but I've been more attuned to that, which has left me sometimes in this interesting feeling of like a limbo where I'm holding space for a person who's sharing and I might not say too much. Like Mm -hmm. I might just, you know, acknowledge their experience and pain, but I've gotten used to that, like fewer words. But in the beginning I was like, do they think I don't care? Do they think I'm like uncomfortable? Like, I don't know, but I really have been working on like, not to sound woo woo, but like the energetics of that, because I feel like there's a power in just being able to be present for what is. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely a practice within almost 30. I have a program on the sacredness of being single. I was single for a long time. And I often hear from women, like, I'm never going to find my partner or like just 
the long list of experiences that are so valid. And as kind of a guide in this program, I really learned like through trial and error, how to not provide like a specific solution for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's so, it's so specific to their experience. Um, As a therapist, I'm curious, you know, with your clients, do you take a different approach? Is it the same approach that you're explaining in toxic positivity? I guess, how does that differ? So when I got into therapy, I wanted to fix people a hundred percent. It was definitely like my flaw as a new therapist. And it's taken a long time to get to this place of like, it's actually not my job to fix these people. It's my job to give them the space to like explore what they need, what they're missing, and really to ask the right questions so that they can get to their own place. Because Mm -hmm. like you said, when we offer solutions, it can often make the other person feel like, oh, there is something wrong with me. And I'm also powerless in my life. If I have to come to you and you have to fix me and tell me what to do, I'm not doing a service for that person. I'm, I'm just disempowering them in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. The questions are, that's a really, really good point because then it becomes a conversation rather than I've been in situations where I feel like I'm just like talking at someone where I'm like, okay, I've been there. Let me tell (laughs) you. Here's what you're going to do. You know what I mean? Which I'm cringing thinking about. Can we talk about some of those questions? So if someone comes to you and says, you know, I've been on 40 dates in the last six months. Like, I feel like I'm not connecting with anyone and I really feel like there might be something wrong with me, you know, that kind of scenario. What might be some questions that a friend could ask that person? Yeah. So I really want to start with just knowing what the experience is like for that person. So like, what do you think is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Um, what have you been noticing? What have you been feeling after the dates? Like what approach are you taking? And I think when people start talking, it opens you up to more questions based off of the information that they're giving you. But really just trying to think about how can I understand this person's experience more and pretend that you know nothing about it. Like that's a, I think a therapist technique of anyone that walks into my office, I try to put away any preconceived notions about what I might think of them and really just let them tell me who they are and and what they're dealing with. Yes. Okay. That's super, super powerful. Yeah. I'm (laughs) going to use that. You know, I'm thinking about these friendship dynamics in particular. We've been having kind of this collective conversation within the Almost 30 community about friendship breakups. Mm -hmm. Um, What does friendship really mean to us like now, like as an adult? And I do remember, you know, in my 20s, I feel like more so and earlier, like I would bond with people based on um, negativity and certain Mm. spirals, you know, of things that we could kind of either gossip about or complain about or whatever. And I feel like that's less in my experience now. However, it totally happens Mm -hmm. because admittedly, sometimes it feels good to just rip. But I'm curious what's happening there and I guess what part of us is really leading that and needing that Mm -hmm. and how can we kind of pivot in those moments? Because I do my, my like recent goals to be so present with friends, with family that I can 
say what I want to say in the moment rather than like two hours later. I think when you talk about like gossip or complaining or these things being the way you bond with people, it makes sense because it's a cheap, easy way to bond. And it makes us really connected because we go, there's a shared enemy, something we're against. I know where that person stands, but it's typically not very long lasting. It's hard to build really solid relationships around that. And so I think always coming back to like, is this what I want the foundation of my friendship to be or this relationship? Um, If we focus on this, it might be the only thing that we share. And also looking at how do I feel after I walk away from these conversations? Like I know I've sometimes I'll meet with friends and get home and be like, why did I say all that? You know, like why did I get pulled into talking about so-and-so? I don't want to do that. And I think that's like the best feedback you can give yourself and also noticing who are those people that bring that out in you. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah, the body sensations I have been getting at a hundred lately. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I'm curious, you know, in your therapy, do you find that is everyone experiencing body sensations and they might not know how to translate them or is it maybe the more sensitive? Mm -hmm. What do you find? I've worked with people who are totally out of touch with like what's going on in their body. Like that's usually where I like to start with people is figuring out, do you know how to label your emotions? Do you know what you're feeling? Um, And I've had clients say to me, like, I didn't even know that my emotions were a body thing. It's only like their thoughts for them and making that connection. I think for anybody that's done that through therapy or in their life, you realize how huge that is when you can tell like, this is what anxiety feels like when it's coming on. This is what depression feels like. Then you don't get sucked under so much because you see the alarm bells like going off. Yeah. The intelligence of the body has like, I didn't really get it until I got it. Mm -hmm. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So yeah, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. Do you have like a just last thing on, on the body, like, do you have a practice or something you would suggest to someone who's like, yeah, I don't really think I'm feeling connected to the body. If you're somebody that's more in your head, like, you know, oh, these are anxious thoughts. I think whenever that comes up, asking yourself, where do I feel this in my body? What is like the physical manifestation of this? Even noticing how it feels like when you drink too much coffee can be a good place to start. Or if you drink alcohol or anything else, you might notice like I can tell when my body changes and what doesn't feel good. It will open up the conversation and sort of that pathway for you to realize when the changes are happening. Yes. I think a lot of us are drinking too much coffee. <laughs> I'm a coffee drinker, so I will say Same. that. Yeah. But I notice on days when I, if I don't have coffee with like my fats in there, you know what I mean? To kind of slow the burn. For sure. I am out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Just so anxious. Yep. And Same. just fluttery in energy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, definitely check on that caffeine <laughs> yes. intake, you know, because it could be something that could completely change the way you experience your daily life. It could be like one of those little switches that you're like, oh wait, wow, Mm -hmm. I'm not anxious about this thing without the coffee. I am juggling quite a bit lately. (laughs) I have a new baby, um, six months in and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health 
routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products uh, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus, and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L-threonate. It's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood-brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste amazing unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. A lot of women in our community are beautifully doing all the things, you know, like just feeling as though, um, yeah, the, the importance of career, of friendships, relationships, travel, experiencing the world, you know, making their dreams come true at a high level. And I think with the social media aspects at play, there can be this disconnect from the body, from what's actually going on, and it could lead to burnout. Mm-hmm. And I know you've talked about burnout. I love that post on your blog. And I um, I feel like we've mentioned it before on the pod, but I think it deserves just kind of this um, perspective from you on how can we get to a place where we are noticing well in advance <laughs> of burnout Um, and how can we kind of resituate our lives or even perspective on what we're doing Mm -hmm. and being in order to live in a way that's sustainable? Yeah. So when burnout happens, we have to remember that it really is like this overwhelming feeling that affects us emotionally, physically, and, and our behavior. And I think a lot of people think if I can just get a better handle on my to-do list, I won't be burnt out anymore, you know, if I streamline in this way. And really, I think when burnout happens, it's a sign of like, my life is not in alignment in a way that works for me. And I'm a big fan of looking at like, 
all the systems. So how are you taking care of yourself? What's your job like, your family life? You can't like go get a massage and then come home and you're in a relationship where you're fighting and yelling all the time and it's chaotic. You're still going to be burnt out and stressed out. So really trying to, I think, consistently before things get bad, try to take like a bird's eye view of your life and figure out where do I need to make some changes? And that's also where the body piece comes in a lot of knowing like, this is what I feel like when I'm starting to get burnt out. These are how my behaviors change. I get short tempered. Um, you know, I can't focus whatever it is so that you can stop it before it gets so bad. Yeah. I am curious what you would recommend. Like I feel as though I go through sprints, you know, where, I'll have a period of time where we're just like doing the most Mm -hmm. and it definitely can lead to burnout. But then there's that like ample time of not that much going on and rest and opportunity to do that. I'm like curious if that is healthier or what your thoughts are on that, because I do know that a lot of people out there are entrepreneurs, so they might like batch and do these little marathon sprints Mm. for their whatevers, which we do too. So I'm just curious your thoughts on that. I think that can be totally healthy if it works for you. Like I'm somebody that likes to work a lot. It feels good for me. I think I get excitement from it. And Mm -hmm. so I would never tell somebody like that, like, oh no, you need to relax more if that wouldn't be, you know, powerful for me. It's all about like, what does my nervous system feel like based on how I run my life? Am I in line with my values? Am I doing what's important to me? Because then even if you're tired, you're like, oh, it's worth it. I want to be tired. I Mm -hmm. like what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I see an end goal. You know, there's a finish line here at some point. Yeah. I think that can be mentally very important where if I know that this is just for a period of time, oh, yeah. then I'm not like dooming. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is my life. Like how, you know, a thousand percent. And I think oftentimes those moments where, you know, you're evaluating at a bird's eye view, like all the systems in your life. And anytime that I've done that, it usually means I have to either have a hard conversation. I have to be really honest with myself and make a change that might be a little bit uncomfortable or something else that I don't want to do. Um, Yeah. Can we kind of like walk us through, is it a one at a time thing? Is it, yeah, I'm, I'm, cause I tend to resist those moments because of the discomfort and it almost adds more stress, but Mm. literally every time I've done it, it's, you know, like a pressure valve just releases. Right. How can we approach the systems in a way that feels manageable? Mm -hmm. So I totally get how it could feel overwhelming to be like, where do I even start? What do I have to change? That I think it has to come back to, again, your values, like what is most important to me right now? And that's going to change throughout your life. Like we're talking about in your 20s, Your values are totally different than in your early 30s, mid 30s, whatever. So looking at what are the most important areas of my life? How do I want them to look? And I think when you divide things up into piles, it's easier to look at them and then say, okay, I'm going to approach, you know, family life first. That's really important to me. And so how am I going to prioritize that? And even looking at your calendar of like, am I focusing on this really important thing to me and and how much? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. The priorities thing, that was like a piece I think I had to be really honest with myself about because 
I think I could tell myself other things were a priority because either I saw it on social media or, you know, Krista thought it was important and I don't, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. all these different influences. So I, my alone time was super important for that where I'm like, okay, how do I feel? Because I'm picking up on what everyone else feels. Alone time, loneliness. I want to, I want to shift into that because I feel as though our community experiences both in different ways, just from what I've heard in our conversations. But this loneliness of being on a path that is, yeah, really wanting to be curious about life, about themselves, to better themselves in all ways. And sometimes that can be very lonely Mm -hmm. if the people in your life aren't really supportive or on board. What would you say to people who are experiencing that? So loneliness to me is a feeling of being like disconnected, of feeling isolated. You can be surrounded by people, of course, and still feel lonely. So in that situation, I would again go back to like the values of I surrounded myself with these people who I may no longer share the same interests with, or maybe they don't value the same things that I do. And that's really painful. There's like a grieving process that happens there, but affirming for yourself, like I'm in transition and I will find other people who want to be around me, who share the same values and, and things that are important to them. Yes. It could totally feel like you'll never find your people at one point. Oh, like there's that sure. like, oh my God, is yeah. this it? Especially if I'm generalizing, but I'm thinking about my brother who went through kind of a period of that in his mid twenties. And he's like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to find my people. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of relate to people for a certain amount of time over like drinking, going out, doing this. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a scary thing. You know, it's a scary it thing is. not to be seen by your peers in that way. But I, I know you're right. Honoring that transition as like, it's powerful. Right. It's, it's really, really powerful and brave. For sure. And, and reminding yourself, I think like this this will not stay like this forever. You know, this is bad right now and I can validate that, but I I can't stay like this forever. You know, there will come a time where things are at least a little bit different. Yes. Just on that piece of like feeling like it's going to be forever, I guess, you know, is that the mind and the thoughts? Like, can you, can you generally break down like, what is the mind there to do and how can we kind of discern in those moments? Like, okay. Like, we're not going to believe you all the way Mm. with what you're saying, (laughs) you know? So humans hate uncertainty. So we would rather cling to the reality of, like, this terrible thing is going to last forever than think about change or other possibilities because that often feels scary. So what I think is most effective is to validate, like, this is hard right now. I don't like where I'm at. This doesn't feel comfortable. I wish I was doing X, Y, and Z. And say, I know it will not be like this forever. And I have control over changing my life in X, Y, and Z way. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, how would you recommend someone like build trust with themselves in that way? If they are someone who's like, will I, like, will I make those changes? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we build trust over time? You have to start so small. Like if you're a person that doesn't take a lot of action in your life, um, or maybe feels like paralyzed by that. I think 
just trying to make like small commitments to yourself of like, I'm going to do this one thing a week and I'm going to try to do it for a month. And then I'm going to look back and see the progress I made and, and build on top of that because some of us are not committed to ourselves or taking care of ourselves in any way. And it can be really hard to start doing that. Yeah, I definitely did not trust myself for a long time. And um, I think that's a part of growing up, you mm-hmm. know, and also like individuating. For sure. Because I think like as kids, what I remember, it was like, are you sure? Yeah. yeah. Are you sure? Are you, do you want to double check your work? Are you sure? You know, like all of that second guessing For sure. can put me in a, like, I just remember feeling like, okay, I'm not sure about mm-hmm. anything actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, you guys tell me what's up. Um, so it took a, a long time actually to, to reprogram that still working on it. Um, and then the alone time piece, which I'm a big proponent of, um, maybe it's cause I was single for a long time, but I eventually came to like, love it and just kind of crave it in mm-hmm. a way. Um, when is alone time recommended and healthy? I think alone time is great. There's a big difference between like taking time for yourself and isolating. And so I think you have to look at like, what am I doing with that time? How does that time make me feel? And also, am I avoiding something through that time? Because sometimes when we're depressed or we're anxious, like you really turn inward when maybe being around some certain people would be the right thing. That I think it's good to like get back to the motives. I'm somebody that needs to have alone time to function. And so that's like a a good thing to look at. Like what does alone time do for me? Is it making this worse or better? Mm -hmm. And how can we like communicate that to people that we're close to? Because I've had to like, I didn't really know what to say to friends or family or even like my fiance, even though he likes his alone time too. But I still felt a little weird where I'm like, I need to be alone, yeah. you know, and then like <laughs> kind of leave them with that and have them like have their own experience. But it was kind of hard for me. How can we communicate that? So I'm married to someone who probably never would have alone time for the rest of his life if he didn't have to, <laughs> that you can really say like, I need to be alone for myself. I think people need to be reassured. This has nothing to do with you. Yes. I'm not abandoning you or it's not that I don't want to be around you, but being alone helps me recharge yep. and also just finding things you can do by yourself, you know, setting up those opportunities, whether it's like getting a massage, going on a walk, whatever, Mm -hmm. to have that alone time set in your schedule um, and not have to make it a thing with the people around you like every single time. Yeah, it's almost like I kind of felt like I just trained people like where they would eventually not be offended. Right. Which I know the offense was like none of my business, but I noticed over time they would kind of expect and then eventually... Like, I don't know if I served as the model. I don't think so. But like, eventually it kind of caught on. Maybe it's because we were older, but where people would take that time. Um, In relationship is so interesting. So how long have you been married? I've been married almost five years. Cool. That's a milestone. Yeah. That's a big milestone. How, this is just like a specific question because you're a therapist, like the fact that you are a therapist in a marriage, in a relationship, how do you, um, turn off, but keep on kind of that, <laughs> those tools and those skills 
so that you can relate. Um, I guess what I'm perceiving or assuming is that because your husband's not a therapist, mm-hmm. I assume that there He's might not. be those like <laughs> moments of like, you know, are, is this therapy? But I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because it's very easy to not be in therapist mode when you're with people that you have relationships with because I get triggered by my husband. There are things he said that if a client said it to me, I would be fully in work mode in that moment. What I do have to be careful of is not trying to like offer solutions or Mm. fix things for the people around me that I'm like, oh, I know what that is. And you could try this. Um, So really taking my own medicine um, or the people in my life will be like, you would never say that to a client. And I'm like, I know you're not my client. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I said it to you. But this is a really important thing I think to talk about because my experience and I am assuming a lot of people in the community because they're super curious and learning all these new things about health and wellness and Mm -hmm. mental health and emotional health and spiritual, all these things that you become so hyped And you're like, I want to share it with everyone I know. I mean, if I like tell my fiance one more time, like to monitor the organic wheat and what he's, whatever, like all that (laughs) shit, um, I think he's going to freak. But I guess what is happening there and why is it a, because I've seen the proof in the pudding when I've just done my thing and modeled what I not modeled intentionally, but just like do what I do. Yeah. And eventually they're like, what's that green thing you're drinking? And you're like, yes. Oh, you want to know? So what is happening there? And why is it more effective to not like force these things on people? People don't like to be told what to do. Yeah. Like you can see that even from babies up until, you know, through adulthood that when you're directly told, especially by like a parent, a spouse, someone that's not supposed to be in that position with you at this time in your life, you are like, well, now I don't want to do it because I want it to come from me. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why as if you're a therapist, a coach, whatever, if you come and say, here's the plan, here's what you need to do. It doesn't work because people need to have some buy-in. They need to almost think like it was their idea. Yes. <laughs> it makes it feel a lot better for them. Like it, It's empowering. And so I really think whenever anybody asks me, how do I get so-and-so to go to therapy or to take their mental health seriously? I'm like, go to therapy yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and most of the time, the people that are saying that are like, I don't need to go to therapy. No way. Yeah. Oh, all the time. Really? I will get phone calls like, I want my husband to come and see you. And they're not going to therapy. No way. Oh, a lot. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's the ultimate okay. example of like, I want you to do something I'm not willing to do for myself. Yeah. Which yeah. is a problem. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then also within doing the thing that you're kind of suggesting to people, you like, you understand the nuance of the experience for yourself. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's just having gone to therapy for like four years now. And yeah, I just, I've had a very specific experience and also know that like, I had to be ready to go, right? you know, and ready to open in that way. So yeah, that's, that's super, super interesting. Um, so I actually wanted to come back around to toxic positivity and, I'm curious too if there's like a body language thing happening too, if you're in person with someone, anything that we can be mindful of um, 
I know that you support people who are uh, caretakers and a lot of people who are dealing with um, physical illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just curious in that example. So if someone is experiencing um, a physical illness, um, how you can, and you're in person with them, how you can like kind of physically show support as well. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm sure there's like little cues too. Yeah. So being present, um, with your physical presence is so important. Like yeah. not being on your phone, you know, turning towards like you and I are facing mm-hmm. each other right now. Um, eye contact for some people can be uncomfortable for other people. It's really important. I think always asking like, can I put my hand on your back? Like knowing the people in your life who like physical touch can be super helpful and not looking like they're scaring you. Like I think a lot of us get really uncomfortable in those situations and it's because we're feeling that urge of like, I need to fix this. I'm Mm. so scared for this person. And I think that's what's so scary for people going through a hard time is a feeling like I'm a burden and people are afraid of what's happening to me. Sure. And so just being able to show someone, like, I think that's what's so cool about going to therapy is it's like, I'm here with you. I'm not scared. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to get overwhelmed with what you're telling me. And that is like huge when you're yes. going through something bad. Yeah. And I can imagine that, you know, there could be, there might be a thought from whether it's the other person who's not sick might feel like kind of mirroring the fear or mirroring the surprise, or like all the things might help. Like I remember um, Kristen and I have done this, like in the community where, you know, we'll have someone share and it might kind of tug at our heartstrings. And sometimes this in the past when we would say like, oh, Oh, you know, kind of have this like physical reaction and sounds, Mm -hmm. which I don't think is inherently bad, but there is kind of this like drop into their experience that would happen where, um, I don't know if it was as effective as it could have been as like a supportive person. Yeah. It depends on what the purpose is of the exchange, right? Because there are some times where it's like, you are supposed to be the rock for that person in that moment. I think particularly like if you're a parent or you are a caregiver in some way, it's like you kind of are supposed to be like strong for them in certain ways when you're with them, but also be able to validate what you just did of like what you're telling me is difficult. And that's where the toxic positivity piece comes in that I'm not going to be like, well, it's going to be fine and you have nothing to worry about when someone's really telling you, I am struggling. Yes. Where can we kind of bring in positivity as like a positive tool? So I think a lot of our our community is into manifestation Mm -hmm. and all of those things and the power of positive thought. So where do you kind of weave that into working with your clients? I think we can engage with more positivity if we're able to first recognize what's going on with us. And so the positivity doesn't really work. Um, And this is reflected in the research when we're using it as a way to dismiss, minimize, or like cancel out something that we're experiencing. It just intensifies that. 
So I first like to start with that. And then I think a lot of people use manifestation, positive thinking, because they want to have control over their life. They want to feel like they can get the things that they want. And that's powerful. So I encourage people to think about like, I'm deserving of this. I want this. And also, what do I have to do to make that happen? Like, I think agency power over your life is one of the most underrated tools out there. Yes. A thousand percent. You can't just think something into existence. Where <laughs> Exactly. Which I see a lot of that on the internet yeah. lately. And I'm like, They're oh like my, my gosh. Vision board yeah. And I love a vision board, but, um, yeah, there is something to getting very honest about the pieces that are kind of playing under the surface or possibly like directing what is happening in your experience. We recently talked to Dr. Schwartz, the founder of IFS. Yes, and, big fan. Um, I know, me too. And it's just really fascinating work. So our audience is kind of just being introduced or at least most of them. Um, but working with the parts in the toxic positivity sense, what have you seen as like the types of parts activated that would kind of default to toxic positivity? Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about like, I want to give toxic positivity to you, the parts I think that would be coming up are, I want to control this. There's a part of us, I think that's very scared fearful, uncomfortable. And even looking back like at childhood, you know, did you feel like that as a young kid? Was there not a lot of control or emotional openness mm -hmm. within your family or among your parents? And those parts of us can get very triggered in those moments of like, I need certainty. I need control. Yes. I need this to be okay. Yes. And how can we kind of like have a conversation with those parts in those moments? My favorite way of thinking about the part stuff is like that they're all kind of, you know, on a bus and mm -hmm. one just keeps jumping into the driver's seat and like wrecking the car if you only yes. let that one drive. So I like to have like you, your true self, mm -hmm. talk to those parts of like, it's okay. I got this. I know you're scared. I know you're trying to seek control, but I know how to handle this. Yes. And like, let that part speak up in the moments where it fits and where you need it. It's, it's necessary at some points in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I realized that there was like different aspects of myself coming forward in different moments, yeah. I almost felt more empowered rather sure. than being like, oh my gosh, that is like who I am. Right. Right. The over identification with the parts was something I was doing. Where I'm like, like it's oh. all of you, that one yes. part. Yeah. It's yes. cool. Once you can see them coming out and you're like, all right, no, you need to move back. Totally. <laughs> like, back of the bus. Like, yeah. There's a blanket back there. I'll tuck you in. Exactly. I'll call yeah. you when I need you. Totally. <laughs> um, and I kind of find, you know, just sticking with the parts piece, it's, especially during like life transitions, I find that like one or two kind of want to rear their heads and whether it is control the situation or skew the transition in life as something that's scary and negative. Can you give an example, whether it's from your own life or a client's life of like a life transition or milestone where a part or a few popped up and tried to sabotage or 
Yeah, I mean, I just had my first child oh my a year ago. He just turned one. Oh yeah, Congrats. and that was a life transition that truly knocked me out. I was not prepared for, and I would consider myself somebody that navigates life transitions pretty well. Yeah. So in that one, I was definitely like feeling unprepared, unqualified, you know, not ready. Like also some of that loneliness, like all these pieces of you coming up that I think in those stages, whenever you're transitioning, whether it's marriage, whatever, you have to remember, like there is a transition period. You don't just get to like wake up and have a baby and the next day be like, now I know how to be a mom. Like it takes a minute. And so giving myself finally like have you know a year in the permission to be like I'm just figuring out how to do this the same Mm -hmm. way I figured out how to be a teenager an adult all those things is good permission yeah I I can only imagine because I haven't had kids yet but did you find yourself because I think this is super relatable for people um new moms especially did you find yourself like overwhelmed by what you should do, like kind of what was being told to you or was it more internal? What was that experience like? I think it was a mixture of both, like especially because I was working and I had a career, like I felt like I needed to just get back to my old self very quickly. A lot of like, how's my physical body going to get back? Like mentally your, your marriage changes, like there's so much and the people around you like they're not changing when you're going through this big thing. So it kind of feels like you're going through like puberty again or wow. something really bizarre um, mm-hmm. that I think for me, it was just like, I was like, why does no one else notice like how difficult this yes. is? Yes. <laughs> you know, just with like that transition with your husband, like, you know, obviously bringing a new player into the relationship yeah. and the household but also, yeah, just like shifts in who you are now and who he is now and all of that. Have there been positive ways that you found supported the transition? For sure. I mean, we have had so many conversations and I think that's like the most important thing is being able to call out like, this isn't working for me anymore with like this transition. So I naturally took on a lot more of the childcare responsibilities, even though we're both working full time. Sure. So that was a stage where it was like, okay, I need you to take on these tasks that didn't used to be yours. And I think navigating the transition for everybody that's involved and holding space for the fact that it's hard for both of you in different ways. That yes. was hard for me because I was like, I gave birth. Totally. I was no. the one that did it. But it's also hard for the other of person, course. you of know, course. and not getting into like the attention is on. Exactly. Today. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's hard. Like it's a mm-hmm. change in dynamic. And so I think um, not trying to compete with who has yeah. it worse. Is, yeah, totally. Oh, that's a good one. Is hard. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. On this relationship piece, one of the things I wanted to touch on was because I'm, I I find myself doing this, um, this idea of explanation versus defensiveness. Yes. And yeah, it's such a nuanced thing. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Of course, I can't think of one, but I'm planning a wedding, but like it's been quite inflowing and easy for the most part. There's a lot to do. So that's challenging, but we've, we've worked together on it, but there are moments where, um, 
I feel as though like his opinion or what he wants, I'm like, <laughs> or, or he says something about what I'm doing or how yeah. I'm acting. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait, you know, I'm very defensive. And so I'm wanting to really embody more of this, like, you know, knowing my own truth, remaining in my body. So I'm not like jumping out of it and being able to explain in a way that is not explaining to be right, but really to feel expressed honestly. Mm-hmm. Whether he gets it or not, I don't think is the point, but I would love that. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a nice bonus. I I feel like you just pointed out the key difference is like defensiveness to me is coming from a place of I'm right. I don't really care what you have to say. I'm not saying this to help you understand. I'm saying it to like convince you or to be right. It's super nuanced depending on the topic, but I feel like with the rise of like the term gaslighting, like all over the internet that we now kind of think that if anyone doesn't completely agree with us or tries to discuss their point of view, it's like they're invalidating us. And I think there's a way to say like, I just want you to understand where I was coming from. Like, is it okay if I explain why I did Mm, that that. thing and like inviting them after things have cooled down? I think the defensiveness is like that gut reaction to move too quickly. But sometimes an explanation helps. Like if my husband says something rude to me and then he's like, this is actually what I meant. I'm like, oh, okay. It just came out wrong versus it actually being harmful. Yes. I think your point of the cool down period is super important. Sometimes I feel like I need to say everything and it's been so nice to just be like, I need to take a beat. Mm -hmm. Like, let's come back together in like 15, 20 or maybe tonight. And yeah, I'm definitely able to kind of like regulate yeah. what's coming up so I'm not a freaking mess um because he's quite regulated in the moment to the point right. where I'm like hey man you can freak out like please freak I out no please because I look crazy um but that's that's really really for me important but I'm sure a lot of people feel that because there's like this like protection of identity and for, that's what it kind of feels like for me where Either something is said about me that's not true mm-hmm. or, you know, they're assuming something that's not true. But, um, yeah, it's always I love that that piece of can I can I just explain where I was? Coming? Yeah, I would love to explain where I was. Coming no from. one wants to feel misunderstood. I know. Like, it's that's one of my a, things. Oh, same. Like when someone leaves oh. me like a mean comment on my Instagram, I'm like how could you think that I would mean that or I would do that? Like you just get so defensive of like, how could you think that of me? And I think it's really just like, I want people to understand who I am, you know? I'd love to end on that because I really enjoyed your post, um, like your stream of consciousness on just getting curious about how and why people leave mean comments. Yes like blatantly mean not just like hey oh I actually disagree have you ever thought of this it's more so yeah the blatant mean with with bad intention um since you posted that have you kind of noodled on anything or experienced anything that kind of gave you more insight or what are your thoughts yeah a lot of people commented back on that about really this big like disconnect between I don't see you as a human being because I don't Mm. know you when you're online because sometimes people will write things to me and I'm like, 
I'm like a real person opening this during my day. And, you know, I don't get nearly as much as like I see a lot of other people get online, but it's, it's an offloading of like their own energy, their own aggression. And I I actually think if we were able to like dialogue and it's, and people have done this online, they, you know, engage with people who left the mean comments. The other person's like, Oh, I really didn't mean to say that to you. And many times we thought that. Yeah. I didn't know it was you. We're like, what do you mean? (laughs) <laughs> right. I thought it was like you had an assistant that just reads your messages. I'm like, no, it's really me. I read that while I was like peeing this morning. <laughs> Great start to the day. Yeah, truly. Thanks for setting the tone. Yeah. I get sad. Not for myself. I just get sad, you know, yeah. seeing that and that that's something that, you know, that is coming from someone because I know it's obviously much, much deeper. For sure. Yeah. Sending them love, but. Life is so much more fun, like, out there living it rather than, like, yes. yeah, that the online thing is interesting. I'll be very interested to see the evolution of, like, how much we're really, obviously, they'll try to get us to spend even more time, but I don't know how. Um, yeah, because I just, I've found that, like, taking, the, I'm sure you have, too, as a new mom, it's like, man, this is what life's about. Yeah, it's been weird to navigate. Like, I'm somebody that doesn't put my kid on the internet, and I think it's because I use it for work. Like, personally, I'm so removed from that space outside of, like, my work, you know, persona. Completely. Well, this has been really fun. I'm so thankful that we got to do this in person, and thank you for the work that you do. I think that being able to have these types of conversations, especially, I mean, your platform is so big, and the way in which you share just offers this... Yeah. Opportunity for curiosity, introspection, connection, questioning what you've always felt or done um, or believed. So thank you. Thank you. you. This is great. And make sure everyone get toxic positivity. And are there, there are other ways to connect with you. You have programs as well. Yes. So if you go to my Instagram or any social media ad sit with wit, I have my good enough community, which is about just being good enough and not being so obsessed with self-improvement. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. Love it. Big one. <laughs> um, and you can find really any way to connect with me on my Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Whitney. I loved that conversation. Free therapy session. <laughs> if you want to learn more about Whitney Goodman's work, you can go to sitwithwit.com. You can also follow her on Instagram. I love her Instagram at sitwithwit. And you can pick up her book anywhere books are sold. The book is Toxic Positivity. So thank you, as always, for listening to the Almost 30 podcast. We appreciate your listenership. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so that you get the new episodes in your inbox every single week. And if you're not already listening and subscribe to Morning Microdose, be sure to tune in. This is our daily podcast happening Monday through Friday. It is a quick way to set the tone for the rest of your day with five to 15 minute clips from the podcast that inspire us, make us laugh, make us think, get us curious. And I think you'll love it. We'll see you on the next one.